Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to The Inner Life here today. Hope you're having a good Friday midpoint of September here. I'm Josh Raymond, and this is our hour dedicated to spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. So have you ever gone on that kind of a kick where you dive into all things that are related to maybe a certain person or a certain genre, some some thing that you just really latch onto, and for a certain period of your life? Might be a few days, might be weeks, might be a month, might be for the rest of your life, but you're just really locked into that. Maybe you discover a favorite musician or a band and you go back and you listen to all of their music that they released up to that point. Or if you read a really good book and then you find yourself quickly reading through all the other books that that author had released. When I was a teenager, probably 14 or 15, During the summer, we had driven to visit my sister. She was married, had two small children at the time. And where she lived, I didn't have any friends in the town, and I had lots of downtime. And as as is usual for most teenagers, I would stay up late at night. I would sleep in every morning. And this was during the age of VCRs. So I filled my downtime by watching a number of movies, especially just in those evenings. And there was this little locally owned... VHS rental store that was close by where my sister lived. So I ended up renting a couple of movies each day for a span of maybe like three or four days while we were there during that visit that summer. And on that first day, browsing through the movie cases on the shelves of that store, I came across this section that they had of James Bond movies. Now, my dad had watched some of those movies in the past, so I was familiar with them. You know, maybe walked in, saw a few minutes here, a few minutes there of something that was playing on the television, but I'd never sat down to really watch a full James Bond movie. So just looking at that on a whim, I picked one at random. It was You Only Live Twice, had Sean Connery in the role of James Bond. And that started me on a kick where... Then every day for the rest of that visit there, I ended up watching at least one or two James Bond movies every time I'd rent something else. And even after we got home from visiting my sister, I kept up my summer James Bond marathon. And even now, I'll still go back. I enjoy revisiting those movies. Still like the Sean Connery ones the best. And I've read all the books that were originally written by Ian Fleming, the author who created the James Bond character. Now, there's another movie that stars Sean Connery. It's a movie that came out in 1996. It's the film The Rock. deals with the uh, prison out in the Bay of San Francisco, Alcatraz. It also stars Nicolas Cage and Ed Harris. 
And I remember seeing that movie sometime around when it was first released, and it was, you know, a fine action-adventure movie, but I really didn't think anything more of it until a friend of mine sent me a text a few years ago. My friend knew that I was a James Bond fan, and his text included a link to that page, uh, well, this, this webpage, that it went into this deep theory that the character that Sean Connery plays in the movie The Rock is actually the same James Bond character. And there's a lot of different things that goes into. It's a pretty convincing theory. All kinds of connections that line up with the James Bond movies that are starring Sean Connery. Of course, it's all coincidence. You know, it wasn't anything planned out when they made The Rock. But it's fun to explore all of these possible associations that link the movie The Rock to James Bond. And I really enjoy stumbling across those kinds of theories where there seem to be these connections that we might have missed on the surface. Another one, if you want to take a really fun deep dive, if you like Pixar movies, there's a Pixar theory out there. You can just Google that, Pixar theory. Uh, Look it up when you have a spare hour just to wander through that. But, you know, when, when that happens in movies or other forms of entertainment, most of the time it really is just mere coincidence. On the other hand, when we look at the Bible, when we look at what is contained in the Old Testament scriptures and how over and over, time and again, there are people and places and events in the Old Testament that prefigure something that happens in the New Testament, we get to see these prefigures that are completed, that are fulfilled in the life of Christ and the events that surround Christ. One of those moments is where Jesus, he gives his famous, uh, his, his Sermon on the Mount. At the beginning of the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel, it starts, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And then Jesus, he proceeds to teach his disciples and all the other people that are gathered. And what does he teach them? He goes through the laws from the Old Testament And he shows their perfected meaning and understanding when lived through love. Receiving teachings about the law up on a mountain. Does that sound familiar? Like God giving Moses the law when he is on Mount Sinai. But rather than Moses taking the teachings down to the people, Jesus now invites us up the mountain into the presence of the Almighty. And what's the very first thing he says? Blessed. That's the very first word that he says there up on that mountain. Today we want to look at what Jesus says about being blessed, especially when we are his followers. Even at those times where you might think you have every reason to be unhappy, that you aren't blessed. We're going to look at Jesus' words to us at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount where we hear him preach what we call the Beatitudes. And joining us as our spiritual director today, Father Michael Martin is back with us once again. Father Michael is a Franciscan priest, and he is the pastor of St. Philip Benizi Catholic Church in Jonesboro, Georgia. Father, welcome back to The Inner Life. So glad to have you here. Josh, so great to be with you today. Um, And uh, you almost took me down a rabbit hole of... uh, James Bond, uh, you know, topics that, uh, you know, I, I, I have to admit that um, I always like having the conversation of who's your favorite James Bond actor. And while uh, Sean Connery uh, 
was a is obviously a favorite, but I always think Pierce Brosnan was uh, did a really good job of that. I, I, that really I has don't disagree to do with the Beatitudes, but uh, uh, couldn't help but go there uh, as you you took us there initially. So doing well, it's good to be with you. Yeah, no, I and maybe off the air or some other time where we have more time and uh, it's not taking away from, you know, the focus of spiritual direction. We can talk James Bond, but I agree. I think Pierce Brosnan was a really good James Bond. He was given some not great scripts. Not yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but I liked him too. Well, Father, looking the, at the Beatitudes, so I was reading a commentary about that word blessed and the original Greek word is makarios. And apparently this word is used 37 times throughout the New Testament. And this commentary that I was reading, it gave another translation suggestion on the word, and that was fortunate. I've also heard the word happy used for trying to understand what Jesus is saying in the Beatitudes. You know, happy are those who are poor in spirit, or if we use that word fortunate, fortunate are the meek, or fortunate are the clean of heart. But I'm going to guess that these kind of fall short, because if I think fortunate, it might give this idea of a bit of, of luck, even random luck. And then with happiness, we're going to be talking about something in the Beatitudes, what Jesus is talking about. It's got to be much deeper than a mere surface happiness. So can you help us understand what does Jesus mean when he says that we are blessed when we find ourselves in those circumstances that he describes in the Beatitudes? Yeah, great question. I, I'm, I'm glad, uh, even though you, you shared some of those synonyms uh, that you know that could be used, um, I I agree with you that I I don't think that they they hit the mark. In particular, I think happy is uh, kind of falls woefully woefully short. But um, I I guess um, you know if you look it up in the dictionary, would have you or Google it, you know you're you're going to get some of the linkage between the word beatitude and the word blessed um, and see that, that they're pretty uh, synonymous. But I guess where I would like to go is um, the kind of life experience of being blessed has almost a supernatural quality to it that requires um, it being received as a blessing, you know, that it, it, we're blessed when something is given to us. And so I think that um, the Beatitudes in, in that regard um, tell us that there's someone else involved in this, uh, in this process, that I think uh, happiness or any of the other words that we might want to use probably just, you know, don't, don't come up with. But I would say this, that I've often um, taken the word beatitude and just split it into two as be attitudes. In other words, these are attitudes of being that uh, if we embrace them as our life attitudes, the blessing that will shower down upon us uh, will be powerful. So I don't know if that helps a little bit, but it's a good way for me to just contextualize what this blessed life is supposed to be. Well, I like that. And I like what you were saying that it's not just simply seeing it standing alone as a blessing, but it's received as a blessing. And I think as we start walking through the individual beatitudes, it, it as with so much 
that we encounter in Scripture, in what Jesus teaches, in the spiritual life in general, there's kind of this paradox. Because if we talk about receiving something as a blessing, it sounds as a good thing, as a gift, but yet it doesn't sound good when Jesus starts talking about the different things that we see in the Beatitudes. It seems like, boy, these are... These are rough things that we might be going through, yet Jesus is saying, blessed are these, you know, this group of people that are, uh, you know, mourning or hungering and thirsting for righteousness, you know. Uh, So there really seems to be this juxtaposition of receiving a blessing for something that doesn't seem so good on the surface. No, you're right. And I I think it's rooted... Um, in again the juxtaposition throughout the the um, the other portions of the Sermon on the Mount, um, you know Jesus has this. You have heard it said, but I say to you. And so there's right. a, again a, a, this again continuous juxtaposition. And what what he's trying to show to us is that the way of the world is not a way that is going to ultimately in this instance, bring us blessing. And what's, what's powerful in many ways is he's prefiguring the power of his own death and resurrection in that every one of these circumstances, which might seem in some ways somewhat negative, you know, that blessed are they who mourn. In other words, in that, in that context, the death and resurrection of Jesus is the only thing that can can raise that up. Do you know what I mean? And so there's no situation that if we approach it through Christ's way of living and seeing that doesn't get elevated to to the level of blessedness. You know, and so that's I think where the Beatitudes tell us to root ourselves completely in the salvific work of Jesus mm. and his life, death, and resurrection. And, and if that is our attitude in life, there is no circumstance where there isn't the possibility of blessing. Yeah, well, and that, that uh, I, I like that, you know, that attitude, because it reminds me of what St. Paul writes about in his first letter to the Corinthians, where he, he talks, he says that the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. And, you know, we hear Jesus sometimes say when he gives a parable or he gives a teaching, he says, for those who have ears to hear. And so if we have spiritual ears, if we have spiritual eyes, if we have this spiritual attitude in our lives, then we're going to see what the world sees as the foolishness of God, we will recognize being wiser than any human wisdom that we could ever come across. The weakness of God that the world sees, this God-man that is nailed to a cross who can't, can't even live on his own, he succumbs to uh, you know, the, this, this execution and this degrading public execution we see the strength that is revealed there through those spiritual eyes, through the spiritual attitude that we have. No, you're right. I, I think um, appreciating with St. Paul that um, we have got to, 
to see our lives through a different lens. And the, the broader context of the Sermon on the Mount, I think, helps us if we appreciate that it, the, the teachings of the Sermon on the Mount are, in essence, um, a, a large part of what got Jesus crucified was the blasphemy of um, the considered blasphemy of saying something about the law and then uh, interpreting it with your own words of, of, you know, that, again, that juxtaposition. And so Jesus knows that the teaching that he's giving is, is not going to be well received. And in fact, is, you know, it's going to, it's going to cause his own death. And yet he, he doesn't shirk from that. And so we have to take these words not as suggestions, but the, he gave his life to teach us this. And, and so it, it takes on a whole different uh, value, I believe, in the, in the spiritual life when we put on the lens of what it cost Jesus to say these things. Uh, Father, let's start walking through the Beatitudes here. I also want to open up the phone number, or the phone lines here. And if you're listening, uh, as we're talking today, our spiritual director, Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest, a pastor of St. Philip Benizi Catholic Church in Jonesboro, Georgia, talking about the Beatitudes, how have you seen those lived out in your life? Uh, have you seen the, the blessing? that consolation, that promise that Jesus gave in the Beatitudes start to come about in your own life. How are you trying to live out the Beatitudes right now? Maybe you have a question about one of those Beatitudes. And again, we're going to walk through those coming up here. Uh, You're welcome to call and join the conversation, 888-914-9149, Father, before we do start walking through one by one each of these Beatitudes, is there anything else that you think is important that we understand ahead of time? Any, Any other background that you think we need to have before we unpack what Jesus is saying here? Uh, the only, it's not really background, but I, what has always, um, I've just found curious is that uh, for most folks, for most Christians, uh, if you ask them to write down the Ten Commandments, they, you know, they could probably, I would say on average, maybe get eight or nine out of ten, if not ten out of ten. But ask them to write down the Beatitudes, and um, and I'm not sure our our score would be as high. And, right. and so I, I just, I would hope that as, as the, a sum total of the film, the fulfillment of the law that the Beatitudes are, that we would, we would appreciate it more as uh, a teaching that Jesus died to give us and commit it more to, to memory. Well, Father, let's look at that first one. We're going to have to take a break here uh, soon, but uh, going through them one at a time, we have that first one where Jesus talks about the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, who is the poor in spirit? How should we understand who he's talking about here? Yeah, you know, I think um, recognizing first and foremost that uh, I love the word spirit um, in, in that, you know, Christ, you know, gives us his spirit at Pentecost. Um, and whose spirit do you want to have? <laughs> do you want to have Mike Martin's spirit or do you want to have the spirit of Christ? And 
I think what Jesus is inviting us to is to let go of our desire to cling to anything of our own uh, so that we can embrace a kingdom uh, of the spirit that is, is so far greater, not just in the life to come, but also in this life here and now. And so I, I think that that sense of clinging, you know, and, and that, that really shackles us, you know, we, we are so less free when we um, hold on to whatever it is that we want to possess. It can be, um, you know, even in relationships, or it can be uh, any, you know, material possessions, or it can be power, whatever it might be that we feel we have to gain and cling to. Um, That's not the spirit of Jesus. Um, You know, though he was in the form of God, Jesus deemed equality uh, with God and, and, and so forth. You know, that, that, that letting go is, is so at the heart of this first beatitude. Yeah, as you're saying that, it kind of makes me think you could almost write it in kind of the, the converse, that blessed or, or unblessed are the rich in material for theirs is the right. kingdom of earth. You know, theirs is the kingdom That's of right. the world. You know, that you can kind of turn yeah, that on its head. They've made their kingdom. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know? right. For what good does it do a man or anyone right, right. to gain the whole world yet lose his soul? Sure, sure. Build a bigger barn. Okay. Yep. Yeah, exactly. That's not how that works out. Uh, let's pick up on the second one here in just a moment. Again, we, we need to take a short break here. But uh, speaking with Father Michael Martin here today on the inner life about the Beatitudes, and those opening lines that Jesus says at the beginning of his Sermon on the Mount, and how we understand those, how we live those out in our lives, what they mean for us. And maybe you have a question about one of the Beatitudes, or how have you seen those Beatitudes something that you've been able to embrace, been able to live out in your life. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Mike Martin, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, relevantradio.com, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Today, we'd like to thank Deborah, who's listening in Florida, for donating her Wesco boat trailer. You can join thousands of other listeners in donating your old vehicle by visiting relevantradio.com slash car. here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. I'm Josh Raymond, and today I'm speaking with Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest, pastor of St. Philip Benizi Catholic Church in Jonesboro, Georgia, and we're having a great conversation about the Beatitudes, those opening lines that Jesus speaks at the uh, Sermon on the Mount. And if you want to read along, actually, you can find that in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew's Gospel in your Bible. And we just talked about the very first one, so we're going to pick up with number two. Also want to open up the phone lines if you'd like to join the conversation. Maybe you have a question about something that you're hearing us talk about. You're welcome to call in and speak with Father Mike, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So Father, we talked about 
Who are the poor in spirit? Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Uh, We come to the second one now. The second one, uh, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So let's also talk about who is this? Who are those who mourn? Because, you know, mourning is sadness, but when I hear the word mourn, I think of experiencing a deeper sorrow, you know, something that's associated with loss, maybe the death of someone that we love. What kind of mourning is Jesus talking about here? Yeah, I, I, I certainly, you know, we can't blow over the those who have lost loved ones as somehow, um, well, it, it's not that, it's something far more spiritual than that. No, I mean, uh, to have loved and lost is probably uh, one of the greatest tragedies of a broken world, probably one of the greatest tragedies of the human experience. And and so um, Jesus uh, takes that uh, universal experience, regardless of your race, creed, religion, sexual orientation, whatever, doesn't matter. Everyone uh, who loves uh, at some point will mourn. And what Jesus is is inviting us to is he's inviting us into that experience that we shouldn't run from the risk of loving and losing just because of the the mourning that that is possible or, or is probable, rather he's saying we will be given the comfort of of the blessed of those who are who sit before the, the Lord forever. Um, we will we will have that that blessing, and so share God's love in the relationships of your life. Share it with almost the same reckless abandon as the, the, the father and the prodigal son, you know, love like that. And, uh, and when you mourn that the loss that will inevitably come, there is comfort. Mm. There is comfort in knowing that you've done a holy thing by sharing God's love. I mean, I think this, this beatitude in particular, just, just invites us into deeper and deeper relationship with the people of our lives. You know, one other thing that might be good to talk about here, too, is there, there is the here and now, but somebody might be listening and saying, you know, I am mourning the loss of someone, and like you said, Father, it's, it's a true tragedy in my life, and I don't feel mm-hmm. any comfort right now. As we look at what Jesus is saying, the blessings that are being fulfilled here, Yes, there can be some fulfillment, a partial fulfillment here now in our lives on earth, but also having that understanding that the f- true fulfillment of those blessings will be in the life to come. Yeah, without a doubt. And I, I think that um, to, to want to rush that process or to want to uh, receive those blessings on our own terms Right now, you know, I don't, I don't want to wait. Uh, I, is, is to misunderstand the, um, the reality of sharing in God's life. That there is mystery in, in the, the Chronos, you know, in the, in the time of God. And um, sometimes too, we, it forces us to take a look 
at how, how we're responding to see whether or not we're the causes of, of keeping that blessedness from being ours, from that comfort being ours. You know, the, um, and so sometimes, you know, it, it may not be a timing issue. It may be more an issue where, um, you know, we're, we're, we're the ones blocking the blessed life, you know, and, and, and so I think always we have to, you know, challenge ourselves and say, okay, what's Jesus calling me to in this moment? Uh, Father, let's uh, just because we've got limited time here, let's keep moving through these these beatitudes. Uh, the next one that we come to, blessed are the meek, uh, for they will inherit the land. And maybe we can just look first of all, who is Jesus talking about here? Who are those who are the meek? Yeah, I think anytime we think of the meek, it's those without a voice, you know, um, and. For in our day, we have, um, I think, grown more recently in an appreciation of the marginalized, you know, in, in those who don't have a say, in those who uh, have been forgotten, or those who have, uh, for whatever reason, um, been uh, sort of cast aside, uh, and and so they they don't have the the power to assert their own importance or to claim their own uh, dignity. Uh, And it's, it's these folks uh, that Jesus is speaking to. And, and it could be any one of us on any given day in any particular circumstance. Um, But, uh, but for the most part, when we, when we find ourselves on the, on the fringe or, you know, in the margins and without a voice, um, to possess the earth, to have the power to uh, hold the earth in your hands is, uh, is, is pretty dramatic when you, when you think about the imagery of that, you know? And so uh, um, I think Jesus is, is trying to say to us who are, uh, who find ourselves in a meek circumstance or to the, you know, the seemingly perpetually meek, those who are, so disenfranchised to say to them that uh, there is uh, greatness coming your way. Mm. Well, and as you're talking about those who are marginalized, a lot of times that comes down to not having money, not having resources, not having maybe, mm-hmm. you know, connections for people who can help get you what you need. And the fact right. that, you know, when Jesus follows up and says, if you are that person that don't worry you'll inherit the earth. But again, looking at that, not just the here and now, but that there is that eternal vision, you know, the new heaven, sure. the new earth. Yeah, I, I mean, certainly anytime you talk about inheriting the earth, you know, you're uh, in the global context of that, you know, you're you're realizing a, a supernatural reality that's not, you know... <laughs> is not limited by space and time. So, I mean, that's that's the life to come, without a doubt. Our next uh, beatitude here, and again, talking with Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest here as our spiritual director today on The Inner Life, if you'd like to call in and join the conversation as we talk about the beatitudes. The phone number is 888-914-914-914-914-914. So now we come to Blessed Are Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Um, 
I, I would say out of all of the the Beatitudes, this one might be maybe the most straightforward, you know? <laughs> Hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it doesn't bring up, I think, as many questions of who is Jesus talking about here. It more maybe just raises the question, do I fit in that category? Am I really hungering? Am I really thirsting for righteousness? I, I agree with you. I, I, I think the audience is clear. What I would say, where I thought you were going, and I was going to you know, say, oh my gosh, we're, we're so thinking the same thoughts here, but uh, ends up, I was, uh, you're thinking the right thoughts and I'm all on a tangent, but I, I <laughs> this, for, this for me is, is one that can be, of all of the Beatitudes is the one that can be the most easily misunderstood um, because I think it can, in, that, that the word righteousness um, can get so um, misplayed or misapplied um, that, you know, Jesus is so clear throughout the scriptures about um, calling on those who are self-righteous, you know, and so I can be so hungry and so thirsty for righteousness um, that I can make you dissatisfied. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so I think that there's a, uh, a temptation here to not go on um, a campaign for the righteousness of the world, but rather to deeply hunger and thirst for you know, a right conscience, you know, yeah. that, that is going to align me with, with God's will. Me, I'm not worried about the rest of the world. I'm not trying to, you know, show them how to be righteous. I'm just trying to hunger and thirst for what's right uh, and so that I can choose the right. Well, and coming up, you know, just not very long after this, in the same Sermon on the Mount, Jesus starts talking about the things that we need, our, our physical needs, and then he follows up with this line, you know, your heavenly Father knows everything that you need, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all hmm. these things will be taken care of. So he kind of almost goes back into, you know, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they will be satisfied, and he, he kind of reaffirms that when he says that later on, seek God's kingdom, seek his righteousness, and everything's going to be taken care of for you. Yeah, I, I'm so glad you pointed to that as well. And just that word seek, you know, that that what what our our what pulls us ahead each and every day is something that's only found in him, his righteousness. Um, that that's that's the only thing that will satisfy. All right, so we've got four down. We've talked, blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the, the uh, uh, blessed are those who mourn. They'll be comforted. Blessed are the meek. They'll inherit the land. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Number five, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And this almost sounds, I mean, I, I, I don't want to, you know, get into any sort of new age kind of thing, but it does have kind of that what goes around comes around, um, you know, kind of kind of sound to it. And I, not only would I think, you know, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy, not just again here, but we can look to that ultimate mercy 
that will be granted to each one of us by God because of Jesus's suffering, his death, his atoning sacrifice. And so, uh, you know, it, 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 it kind of takes me back to that parable of the wicked servant who's been forgiven this huge debt, and then he goes out and starts choking one of his fellow slaves, uh, fellow servants, and beating him and has him thrown in prison, doesn't show mercy. Um, and so if we want to be shown mercy, we have to be merciful. Yeah, you know, I, I tell you, I, whenever now I reflect on mercy, um, Pope Francis and the year of mercy that we had, but just oh, yeah. I, I, I feel like uh, that's been such a call of his to uh, help us to reflect more and more upon the, the shareable nature of mercy, that um, it's never deserved. And it's always freely given, um, but its purpose is to be given. Mercy isn't to be possessed, you know. But but mercy is to be um, is to be offered, you know. And so think about it. Like, what else do we have that it's it's very, um, we, you know, its very nature is to be given to someone else, you know. And so I think that um, it, it, you know, as a Franciscan, you know, in, in giving that we receive, I think there's um, there's something powerful in that uh, line from the the peace prayer that uh, can drive our way of thinking around this attitude, this way of being that I'm a I'm perpetually merciful. I I always want to give of the great mercy that I have already received. You know, I can't yeah. give what I don't have. Right. Well, and as you're talking about Pope Francis, the Year of Mercy, that also uh, reminded me of the book that he released around that time, The Name of God is Mercy. And I uh, mm-hmm. just want to throw that out because it's 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 not a very long book. It's very, very easy to read, very accessible. Um, but Pope Francis just gives so many reflections, thoughts, uh, you know, stories from his own life. And I would highly recommend it if you haven't read that yet. Um, beautiful book to read from our Holy Father, The Name of God is Mercy. Uh, Father Michael Martin is our spiritual director. And Father, need to take another short break. Uh, we're, we've got five of the Beatitudes down. We've got three to go. We'll cover those coming up here next. If you'd like to call in and speak with Father Mike, you can call us at 888-914-9149. How are you living out these Beatitudes in your life? Or is it a struggle? Is it a struggle as you try and be that humble person, that meek person, as you try and show mercy to others? Are you struggling and trying to uh, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, you're welcome to call and speak with Father at 888-914-9149. More to come in just a moment. This is Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Catholic Order of Foresters, the sponsor of our studio's line, is hiring today. Several positions available throughout the U.S. Visit relevantradio.com forester to learn more about how you can find your vocation with COF, an Illinois Life Insurance Society not licensed in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 
I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you along for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our spiritual director today, Father Michael Martin, a Franciscan priest, and we're talking about the Beatitudes. We've gone through the first five, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. We've gone through those. If you joined us late, you can, of course, find the podcast after the broadcast is over. That'll be available at our website, relevantradio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app. We've got three more of the Beatitudes that we're going to go through here, and also inviting your phone calls at 888-914-9149. So, Father, now we come to Blessed are the clean of heart, for they will see God. And clean of heart, that uh, I think for any of us that have lived through being a teenager, lived through that college age life, uh, we probably feel like, oh, is clean of heart even achievable? Is it even possible in this life? Um, you know, we, we read in the Bible in, uh, towards the end of the book of Revelation that nothing unclean will enter heaven. Um, how do we achieve being clean of heart? You know, obviously it's not going to be on our own, but how, how, what are the steps to become a clean of heart person? Yeah, you're right. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's tragic that um, the ways in which our brains have been uh, um, twisted by uh, just by broken, the brokenness of the human condition uh, to look for uh, goodness where goodness doesn't uh, exist. And the only way this beatitude is, is challenging us, the only way for us uh, to really um, experience the fullness of, of the of blessed life is uh, the only way to see God is to look for God, you know, and to look at God and to look upon God. And, and so the real beauty of this life uh, is seeing God uh, every, you know, in, in so much that, that God uh, makes himself manifest to us in so many, in so many ways. But when we're looking elsewhere, um, that's, you know, that's what uh, makes the lens a little sullied. And, you know, so often the, the sexual world has, um, you know, been tainted with this, uh, you know, concept that things sexual are, you know, what is, what's impure. And um, no, it's how we've distorted our own sexuality that makes us impure. But to think that impurity is only uh, relevant in the, in the world of sexuality, I think is naive. And that said, where the imagery of sexuality and pornography, um, what that is doing to our image of ourselves and our image of our world and our image of God is, is so distorting uh, our, our minds that we can't possibly hope to see God present in our lives when we're, we're looking elsewhere. And so that's, it's, it's a hard thing, but 
it's really, it's simple. It's, it's, dif- it's difficult, but it's simple. And that is, how much can I look upon the Lord? How much can I look upon his, his goodness and his, uh, his beauty? You know, and, and so looking to the Lord helps us to purify our minds, to see uh, the goodness that God has created in our, uh, in our world. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, Father, the next one, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And, uh, you know, the, I, I like the fact that we get this title with this one, children of God. And it implies, you know, it appears to uh, imply to me that others will recognize us. You know, if we're bringing peace into the world, that that witness Others won't be able to help but acknowledge, wow, they really are working on behalf of their Father, who is in heaven. Yeah, I, I mean, I also think here, you know, we've got, um, you say that title as children, um, the relational dynamic that is uh, is called for here um, for us to be at peace. It doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to be in agreement but we can be at peace when we realize our common, uh, you know, son and daughtership uh, or son and daughterhood, you know, that, that, that is the one thing that we share. And when I see you not as adversary, but I first see you as child of God, that that is the, you know, we live in a, in an age that is all about identity, you know, and, and when I identify you first and foremost, as, as a child of God, that's the only way in which I can live in peace with you. Mm, that's such a great point. Uh, all right, last one here we come to is, Blessed are they who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I should say this is the last one where it says, Blessed are they. It's speaking mm. outward, uh, you know, more kind of third person. And we'll get into the last one, which is very directed towards you individually. But, you know, this persecuted for the sake of righteousness, that right there isn't, uh, you know, that, that's not hard to understand. But I really like the fact that this goes back to the very first promise. You know, the very first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the, is the kingdom of heaven. Here we have blessed are... The, uh, the those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's it's like we've just come full circle in the Beatitudes. Right, and I, I'm glad that you mentioned it, um, you know, as as kind of a a differentiated it uh, differentiated a bit from the the next verse, which really drills down more specifically to. Um, to me, person, blessed are you when they do this and that. The same, you know, basically it's the same thing. But I, I think this communal nature of being associated as a church um, is, and not that you know we have to hold ourselves up as you know we're a church that's constantly persecuted, but rather that there needs to be some awareness on our part. Of our, of our unity with one another and our collective association that stands for something that is good and greater than myself. And so in, in this instance, we're, we're being called not just to what I think is right and what I think is wrong, but what we as a, the body of Christ, what we as a church 
uh, come together and say amen to, you know, and so I, I think that that's there too often in our, in our faith journey, it can get too siloed, you know, where it's just me and God. And, and this beatitude, I think, calls us into communion with one another uh, in saying yes to uh, the, the life of righteousness, which is the life of, of Jesus's saving action. Yeah. Well, and then assures us that we're not in this alone. You know, not only right. should you not isolate, but at those times where you're worried, oh, it seems like I'm I'm out here on an island all by myself, right. and nobody else seems to agree with me, or I, you know, nobody right. nobody seems to believe in God, and oh, right. is there anybody who's righteous in the world around me, or am I just in a land of pagans? Yeah, it, it's reassuring for us, uh, Father. We're down to just our last couple minutes, but. Um, it, also got a phone call from Julie. She couldn't hold, but I thought it was a really good question. You know, as we're talking about these, and you're talking about that communal aspect here, I think it's so natural to read through the Beatitudes and say, how do I apply this to my life? Julie was saying, how do I live this out in my marriage? And and I think that's such Mm -hmm. a great question. How do we bring it into, you know, that, that very basic community that we have for married men and women, spouses? Yeah, great question. I, I mean, I think the uh, the nature of uh, of the married life is the nature of God's love, and so the uh, appreciation that I'm called to a blessedness that um, that is witnessed first and foremost between me and my spouse, that others can see. The, the promise of blessing that's being given, others can see that in us. And first and foremost, our children see that. And so the, our children come to appreciate the blessedness of this family, which um, isn't a show or isn't done just so that the children can see it. It's, a, it's by its very nature, it, it represents that. And so um, God, God bless her, you know, for appreciating that that's a, a, a huge responsibility of married life is to give witness to the truth of the Beatitudes, to say yeah. that, yeah, if we're sharing God's love, we're, this is this is what it looks like. Well, and it gets very granular, very concrete. Absolutely. And as you're talking about that, I'm thinking about some of these, you know, blessed are the merciful. Well, if there's a place that you're going to show mercy, it's going to be yeah. the people in your immediate family because they're going to do things that irritate you and annoy you and hurt right. you. So, Father, we've got about 30 yeah. seconds here. Can I ask you for a blessing for our listeners as we conclude the hour? Amen. Uh, Lord, our God, uh, how blessed are we that we've been able to uh, be together reflecting on your word and appreciating uh, the, the great grace that you give us each and every day to follow uh, the example of your son whose life was blessed. Allow us to live these be attitudes each and every day uh, for the grace that you desire to give us here and now and for that blessed life that awaits us all in heaven. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Mike. Always great to have you on the program. Again, the podcast will be posted here in just a little bit, RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. We've got Mass that starts right now here on Relevant Radio.